in Psalm 1 gave a wonderful, wonderful promise. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it doth he meditate day and night. Now watch this. That man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, and its leaves doth not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What a promise from God. What a promise from God. But do you notice it's all, it's all connected into we've got to love truth. We've got to find delight in God's word. And as we anchor ourselves in God's word, then the roots of our life find resource in the principles and precepts of God's word that makes us healthy and prosperous. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Now that goes directly to the passage we looked at last week and we're going to wrap up today. It's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23 where he said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Remember another place the writer of Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, what, what's in your heart, what's, what, what's in your heart, what's in your heart, And what's in your heart is what you do when no one's looking. <laughs> That's what's really in your heart. It's not the appearance that you give when you're around people. It's what's when no one's looking. It's the thoughts you're thinking that you're not telling anyone. It's the self-talk that's going on inside your head. It's the fantasies that you're living out inside your own mind and in your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Protect it. Guard it. Watch over it. Set, set a watchman over your heart. Put protection around your heart because out of it flows your life. That's your, that's your life source right there. That's why he talked about in Romans. He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The renovation of your mind, the renovation of your heart. When we come to Jesus, our heart is desperately wicked. But through the salvation work of Jesus Christ, he gives us a new heart and the opportunity to, to actually create a whole new heart within us so that we're living out of the new heart that Jesus gives us and not the old heart that we were born with. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Wow. Learning to live out of that new heart. Wow. In 1973, or excuse me, in 1963, 1963, Congressman A.S. Herlong, congressman from Florida, gave a speech in the House of Representatives. In that speech, he was, he was alerting our United States Congress to the goals and aims of the Communist Party inside the United States for the takeover of our nation. 1963, this was in January of 1963. According to the congressional record, January 10th, 1963. Now, what makes that significant? Well, in June, just six months before, June 25th, 1962, the United States Supreme Court had ruled prayer could not be done in public schools. And so, and then of course, of course, then a few months later, they're going to rule Bible reading also could not be done in school. And so in that vacuum, we created a vacuum in our education system. Exactly what he said in Romans chapter one, right? They refused to retain God in their knowledge in that vacuum, that vacuum did not remain a vacuum. See, when, when we choose to believe the lie that's been perpetrated, well, you can't legislate morality. No, no, no. All legislation is morality. The question is, whose morality are you legislating? Well, when we removed God... Then that leaves a vacuum. Who's going to step into that vacuum? Well, Lucifer's going to step into that vacuum, right? The first step of Lucifer into that vacuum was made that day in Congress when the congressman from Florida alerted our Congress to the aims of the Communist Party in the United States. And what he did, he, he actually read some quotes from a book that I had in my library, I first had it in my library in 1978, The Naked Communist. If you've never read it, it might be worth your reading. I would like to just share with you just a handful of quotes, okay? Not long, just a handful of quotes from the speech that the congressman made that day in our United States Congress, but it's with their quotes actually from the book, The Naked Communist. And it's, it's actually listing 45 of their goals. Here's, here's one of them. Grant recognition of Red China and admission of Red China to the United Nations. That was, now, I'm telling you, 1963. Now, of course, this is all going to begin happening a decade later. How about this one? Promote the United Nations as the only hope for mankind. If its charter is rewritten, demand that it's set up as a one-world government with its own independent armed forces. Oh, 
we have our own military now at times wearing the symbol of the United Nations, not the United States. Hmm. How about this one? Capture one or both of the political parties of the United States. Maybe that's where rhinos come from. How about this one? Get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of the teachers' associations. Put the party line in the textbooks. That's happened, of course. This one. You're going to recognize this one. Eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Or how about this one? Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity, quote, as normal, natural, healthy, unquote. Wow. Can anybody see anything here? How about this one? Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. Hmm. Is that why one of the really well-known TV preachers talks about how Christianity has never been founded upon the Bible? Hmm, isn't that interesting? Okay, let's move right on. Eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. 1963, this is right out of the Communist Party book. Discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. Mm. Belittle all forms of American culture and discredit, excuse me, and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Give more emphasis. How about this one? Discredit the American founding fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. Are we seeing this? Are we seeing this? Discredit and eventually dismantle the FBI. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. It's just like reading the newspaper today, isn't it? Mm. Treat all behavior problems as psychiatric disorders, which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. And now inside the pulpits, we're preaching alcoholism as a sickness, drug addiction. Sin's no longer there. We have adopted the medical model. In other words, the Communist Party has been slipping its way under the doors and through the cracks in the windows into the church. Hmm. Emphasize the need to raise children 
away from the negative influence of parents. Here's the last one. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition that students and special interest groups should rise up and use force to solve economic, political, and social problems. Oh, Portland, Oregon. 1963. Mm. In 1933, there were two men that got together and uh, wrote what was called the Humanist Manifesto. It was signed by 34 other individuals. Uh, philosopher John Dewey was one of the signers of it. <clears throat> this is the preamble of that. Uh, I've, I didn't bring my pointer with me today, so you're gonna, not going to get to follow the bouncing ball today. Okay, here we go. The time has come for widespread recognition of the radical changes in religious beliefs throughout the modern world. Science and economic change have disrupted the old beliefs. Religions the world over are under the necessity of coming to terms with the new conditions created by a vastly increased knowledge and experience. There is great danger of a final, and we believe fatal, identification of the word religion with doctrines and methods which have lost their significance and which are powerless to solve the problems of human living in the 20th century. And this is a quote from the Humanist Manifesto that was published in the Humanist, May and June 1933, volume Six, number three. Now, the Humanist Manifesto of 1933, it, it went on. Um, their first five points of the manifesto declare their belief in evolution. And then points six through 13 declare the humanist religion, and it does it call itself a religion, based upon the self-will and the self-actualization of each individual and a denial of any supreme being. The final two points, point four, 14 and point 15, affirm belief and commitment to a socialist economic structure and affirm denial of capitalism. And socialism, of course, is just a soft step towards communism. Right? Okay. That's Humanist Manifesto of 1933. But in 1973, Dr. Paul Kurtz, who is considered the, the father of secular humanism as opposed to religious humanism, which was there in 1933, he and uh, Edwin Wilson, they updated the manifesto and they wrote the Humanist Manifesto II that was published also in The Humanist in September, October 1973 in uh, volume 33, number five, okay? And the 1973 
Humanist Manifesto, the introduction goes like this. As we approach the 21st century, however, an affirmative and hopeful vision is needed. Faith, commensurate with advancing knowledge, is also necessary. In the choice between despair and hope, humanists respond in this Humanist Manifesto 2 with a positive declaration for times of uncertainty. As in 1933, humanists still believe that traditional theism, especially faith in the prayer, hearing God, assumed to love and care for persons, to hear and understand their prayers, and to be able to do something about them, is an unproved and outmoded faith. Listen to this. Salvationism based on mere affirmation, still appears harmful, diverting people with false hopes of heaven, I left off the end, hereafter. Faith in salvation is dangerous. And now, okay, these years since 1973, faith in salvation, according to, to Democratic hopeful Biden, it is dangerous because we teach against LGBTQ. And so it should be stopped. Wow. Well, the Humanist Manifesto, too, has an interesting approach. Points one and two reaffirm their belief in a self-actualized religion, in other words, secular humanism. Points 3 through 12 affirm in ethics derived from human experience and autonomous and our situational. In other words, each individual determines what is morally right, morally wrong, and it's what I believe. And well, what I think is morally wrong may not be what you think is morally wrong. And for me... My sexual identity and experience may come through molestation and rape, but it may not be for you. But that's my moral value. Self-actualization. Points 13 to 17 declare belief and commitment to a global society and global governance. Humanist Manifesto 2. What are we going with this? Where are we going? It's because most Americans really do not have a clue what are the roots and the origin of what is going on in our nation right now and the darkness that's not creeping in but is beginning to swallow our nation, this darkness. They, they don't really understand where it's coming from. And, the, and, and in, in, in the Christian community... There's a double ignorance about how this has been for the last 50, 60 years creeping into the church and into the doctrine of the church. Liberation theology that had its origin in Latin America in the 1960s that is totally connected to Marxism and rooted in Marxism. And yet liberation theology is very much becoming a part. We talked a few weeks ago 
about how critical theory and intersectionality is inseparably linked to Marxism. And yet the churches, in fact, the Southern Baptist Convention has adopted that as a part of their theological statement. It's just creeping in, and this is creeping in. And what is happening? Well, exactly what, remember what we looked at last week, what Winston Churchill said to Stalin at Tehran in 1943 when he said, in wartime, truth is so precious that she should always be attended by a bodyguard of lies. What's he saying? Well, he was talking about how communism hides the truth with lies. And it's still happening today. What's going on in the streets is protests, not anarchy. Really? Really, it's not anarchy? When, when there are pallets of bricks that are purposely being stationed there for them to throw at law enforcement, when, when somehow magically frozen bottles of water are just there for them to use, when, they're, when they are uh, shooting fireworks at them, when they're, they're, we have in Portland at least three of the federal officers are probably permanently blind because of lasers being shined directly into their eyes. And this is, this is peaceful protest. Folks, there's nothing peaceful about it, but we're rewriting. We're calling it what it is not. And the reason is because this bodyguard of lies is hiding the truth, and the truth is... Black Lives Matter and Antifa have nothing to do with racial reconciliation and trying to help people of color. It is all about the overthrow of our Constitution, the overthrow of our government. It goes directly back to the goals and aims of Communist Party in 1963. That's its roots. And we must not allow the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to become distorted by the lies of Lucifer. And yet, what was the warning that we looked at last week in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? And it was that, as we got closer to the rising of the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, that they would not receive the love of the truth and believe the lie and so then they would be given over to distortion and delusion. And we are seeing people believing delusion today. Absolute delusion. So what, what do we do with this? Well, we, we looked last week at how Jesus said, you've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart so that your heart will receive the truth, the seeds of truth. And he talked about guarding the heart. And he said, the reason is because There'll be, there'll be places in your heart that's trafficked so much, it's beaten down, and the seeds of truth will not be able to go in. It'll just lay there, and it'll be stolen by the enemy. The enemy will steal the seeds of truth. I see that happening regularly in, in people's lives. They hear the truth, it just lays there, and then the next thing you know, it's gone. He said the other thing will happen is, is the topsoil will be loose, but underneath there's going to be stones. There's going to be rocks. 
and it won't be able to go down. It won't be able to take root, and it'll spring up life, but when pressure comes, when the heat of life comes, it withers and dies because it can't take roots because there's stones there. He said others are going to fall in places where the cares of life, the, the distractions of life, the many things we have of life, because... The seeds fall there, it springs up, it comes to life, but it's choked out, the weeds choke it out. Kind of like a garden I planted about five years ago. I didn't have time to keep it weeded. Next thing I knew, the weeds were bigger than the plants. Only thing that survived was my tomato plants, because they were 95 feet tall. I began to think if I didn't get those tomato plants out of it, they're going to be taller than my house. <laughs> but, you know, it's, that's what happens in our life. Is we, we can get so distracted, and, and we, can, we, we, can, we, we have so many, Americans have so many toys. We have so many things. One of the things that I have prayed for that during this craziness where we didn't have so many of those things, that we would get focused back on what was really important and we would see what was really important. And what's really, really important, folks, is not always getting away, getting away, getting away, getting away. How about getting with Jesus and letting Jesus have the preeminence in your life? Amen. Mm. Mm. And so then Jesus said, we got to have the good soil. Look at, look at what he promised. It's found in chapter 13. He gave us this wonderful promise. Jump to the next slide for me. He said, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. What he was saying to the disciples is, you know what? You, you have let your heart be plowed up, and so it's receptive to the seed, and the seed can grow and prosper in your heart. And the reason is because you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, I want to ask you a really important question. Do you? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are, are, are you willing to hear truth? Do you, do, do you love truth? Do you love truth so much that you will let it challenge the hearts of your life where weeds are growing? That you will let it challenge the heart, the, the part of your heart where there are stones and rocks? that you will let it plow up the well-trafficked areas of your life. That you, will, that you will let it challenge the philosophies and ideologies that you learned in college, that you heard in school, that you will let it challenge the rewrite of history and the rewrite of morals that you will let it challenge what you're believing the culture is saying about LGBTQ. That you will let it challenge what they are saying right now. 
the lies that are being perpetrated over and over and over and over because exactly, exactly what has been used in Nazi Germany, what has been used in every communist country that has been taken over, if you say a lie often enough, the people will begin to believe it. Will you let the truth challenge those things in your heart? Because when you have eyes to see and ears to hear, then your heart is ready and truth can be sown there and that truth can grow and it will cause you to prosper and be in health. And that's what we want. Amen? Amen. Oh, man, we got to guard our heart. Amen? We got to guard our heart. Go me to Proverbs. Go ahead and go to the next one. We got to go to Proverbs chapter 22. I want to read for you verses 3 to 8. Proverbs 22, verses 3 to 8. I love Proverbs. If you haven't discovered it yet, there's a proverb for every day of the week. And a proverb a day will keep the devil away. Okay? But only... But only if you fight him. I mean, if you welcome him, he's not going to go anywhere. Okay. Here we go. Verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse, he who guards his soul will be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Amen. The rich rule over the poor, the borrower's servant to the lender. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Oh, well, let's go ahead and enjoy nine. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. He who gives his bread to the poor. Amen. Okay, look here. There are six things I want to deposit with you today about guarding your soul, guarding your heart. I'm just going to touch on them quickly. We're going to have prayer, and over the next weeks, I'm going to come back to these. I want to speak to you. Listen carefully. In the month of August... I've got a series of messages for men that are going to be life-transforming. Ladies, I want you to come and support these messages to the guys. We need to say amen to it, because here's what's happening in American culture. One of the ways that they've been able to easily conquer the American culture is because they've been able to disengage the men. They've been able to disengage the men. Okay? When the men in a culture are strong and they're the spiritual leaders and they are the warriors of heart, it's not easily conquered. But see, we, we, one of the things that happens when you leave a vacuum, and I'm going to talk about this in detail, when you leave a vacuum as we did when we threw God out of everything and you leave a vacuum, Satan brings in paganism. With paganism comes a Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit brings 
a sexualized culture and a sexualized distortion that creates a culture of Ahabs. And they may be in the place of position, but they don't lead because they're weak men. Because they live by their sexualization. They're weak men. Men who are strong men, they are not sexualized. They are men of moral character and integrity. And they stand. And they lead. And they lead with wisdom. And they lead with righteousness. We're going to talk about that for about three weeks, maybe four weeks. Because right now, right now, our community and this church desperately need the men to rise up mighty in God and lead. Hallelujah. That's a whole other sermon. We'll get there. Let's look at these six things. But these six things are going to be a part of it. The first is you got to protect the entrance to your heart. You got to protect the entrance to your soul. You got to protect the entrance. You've got to set a guard at the gate, at the gate of your eyes. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I look upon a maiden? Men, you've got to set a guard over your eyes that you're not easily drawn in to the fantasies and to the eye candy of this culture. You've got to do that. You've got to set a guard over your eyes that you're not, that you're not lusting more and more, craving more and more. Got to have a new car. Got to have a new boat. Got to have a new house. Got to have a new this. Are you kidding me? Really? No, you don't. Come on. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Put a guard over your eyes. Put a guard over your ears. This has everything to do with the kind of music you listen to, the stories you listen to, who you're letting speak into your life. If on the job site the guy's talking, if, they, if, if you are controlled by the peer pressure of the guys on your job site, you got to put some stoppers in your ears. This has everything to do with your movie library and what comes over Netflix, all that stuff. You got it, it, everything. You got, you got to put a guard over your eye gate, over your ear gate. You got to put a, a guard over your touch, over your tongue. Sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. Those are the pathways to your soul. You've got to put a guard over those because they will kill you. Sister, you've got to put a guard over those areas. You've got to put a guard over it. You, you, you cannot sit with other sisters and berate men and then go home and be a great woman of God at home. You cannot do that. You cannot fill your life with gunk, fear, worry, anxiety. You can't do that. Let me, let me speak to the sisters that are listening online. Sisters, can I urge you to put a guard 
over your ear and over your eyes of what you allow to come in through the media, through the media, through the social media. The most dangerous thing in your home is, is the social media, Instagram and all that stuff. It is so dangerous to you. There is so much filth on Pinterest. There is so much filth. I refuse to go there. I went there one day to look up one thing that I'd heard about, and I was flooded with such filth, I quickly shut it off, and I've not gone back. You've got to guard yourself. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Come on. Social media can be a destruction. It, it can be good, but man, there's a bunch of destruction on there. Guard yourself. Protect yourself. Here's the next thing. You've got to train your mind. People go, I can't help it. I just feel that way. You don't have to feel that way. You can, you can change it. You, you can control your emotions. I can't help it. I can't control it. Yes, you can. Maybe you can't right now because all of your life since you were a little kid, you've just let your emotions go and, and you've not trained them. But I want to tell you, there's just times you just got to say, self, stop it. Stop it right now. You just settle down. It's not as bad as you think. Maybe you're feeling that way, but that doesn't mean it's true. Feelings have such lies. And you just got to grab it. Well, how do I do that? You replace those feelings with truth from God's word. That's why you've got to have a heart where God's word can grow and become strong in your heart because God's word will help you get those things under control. But you've got to train your mind to think God's thoughts. You've got to train your mind to go, no, that thought is not of God. I'm going to take hold of it and put it back. That's why we're going to take one whole session and we're going to learn how to transform our thought patterns because we've got to learn how to think. Come on, amen? amen. Wow. You got to discipline early. This is one of the things that makes it so difficult as an adult when you're trying to guard your heart as an adult and, and, and you've gone 30, 40 years the way you are when way back. That's why it says train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Literally, it's saying train a child according to their bent. Because each child has a bent. I had three kids, and they were all three very different. I had one child. All I had to do was give them that look. I had another child. It didn't matter what kind of look I gave them. It didn't matter what kind of voice I said. They were going to do what they were going to do. And I had to let them know. I am bigger, I am stronger, and bet me, baby, you are not running this house. I had a parent come in one time and he said, Hey, Pastor, I don't know what to do. My, uh, my child is... And, and the, the kid was running the home. And the child was four. Not 14, not 40. I looked at her and I said, you're bigger, you're stronger. If nothing else, you pin that child down. But you don't let that child run the house. 
but I don't know what to do. I said, God created a perfect spot of discipline. He even padded it properly. Use it. Use it often. Use it every hour. You're kidding me? But see, we have to do that same thing with ourselves. Come on, amen? amen. And I want, I want to speak to the teens and the 20s. That's a great time to get it under control because when you're 40, it's a lot harder. Start now. Train yourself now. Get it under control. Get those eyes under control. Get those ears under control. Get that tongue under control. Oh, please get that tongue under control. I cannot tell you how many times I've apologized to my three kids. I'm so sorry. Your child got that from me. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Get, but I'm, I'm serious. The earlier you start doing these things, the stronger it's going to be when you get into adulthood. Come on, amen? When you get into adulthood and you try to do this, it's so much harder. It takes so much more work because you've got years that's there and you've got strongholds that you've got to tear down. Right now, those strongholds, when they're, when they're this age, they're made of balsa wood. Man, by the time you get to be 40, they are strong oak trees that you've got to cut down and get the roots out. It's tough. Start early. Oh, listen, you gotta, you got to guard your friends. You can't just, just let whoever be in your life. you got to guard your friends. I, I'm talking about your close friends. I mean, there are guys I'll go out and play golf with because they're kind of fun to play golf with, but I'm not going to make them my close friends because they, 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 they want to do and participate in things that I'll just not let into my life. And I don't even play golf with them all that often. Because I don't, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want that language trafficking through my brain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's amazing. We will let stuff come into our home through our movies that we would never let in our house. If, if, if that guy even tried to come date your daughter, you would take out your AK-47 and meet him at the door. <laughs> But you will let them come in through the movies and use that language and, and use that kind of vulgarity and, and that kind of nudity and we'll let it come into our house through our movies and we don't get it. Really? You're letting it in. You're, you're, you're not guarding the gate. Guard the gate. Guard the gate. Come on. Guard the gate. And guard the families. Listen, you want your kids to be strong. Bring mighty men and women of God into your home for dinner and let the kids sit around the table and listen to their stories. Amen. I'm convinced that's why all of my kids are in ministry today and two of them are in missions because we love to bring in missionaries and let them tell their stories and our kids heard them. And when, when we didn't have them in our home, we brought them through the books that we read to our kids. We told the stories. Bring, guard your friends. And, and listen, it's okay to have friends that are needy, but don't make them your close friends. What kind of person do you want to be? How strong do you want to be? How visionary do you want to be? How positive do you want to be? Hang around those kind of people. It rubs off. 
I love sitting and hanging around with men of wisdom and listen to them talk. So I've got some men of wisdom I hang out with regularly, and I just listen. Makes a difference in my life. I thank God for people like Richard Martin, Bill Neely, men that made difference in my life when I was in my 40s and 50s, made a difference in my life. I thank God for people that spoke into my life. Reverend E.L. Murphy, great man of wisdom, a great man of the word of God that began speaking into my life in my 20s. He was into my life clear into my 60s. I'm so thankful for him, the difference he made in my life. Go to the next one for me. Here's the last two. Guard against bitterness and unforgiveness. The price of bitterness and unforgiveness is so expensive, you cannot afford it. It will ruin you. Don't let it in. Get it out. The last one is guard stubbornness and rebellion. Stubbornness is so subtle that it will, it will lie to you. Oh, you're not stubborn and rebellious. You're just a free thinker. Oh, you're not stubborn and rebellious. You just, you just have really strong opinions, and, 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 and you know the truth. And, and it, will, it will start coming in. It will start coming in very young so that by the time you're 20 to 22, you are smarter than anyone else in the world. And you're not teachable anymore. I want to tell you that the day you become unteachable is the day you start dying. And the enemy is plundering and you don't even know it. You've got to be teachable as long as you live. You've got to learn. Let Almighty God show you the areas where you're stubborn, where you're unteachable, where you're unmanageable, where you're rebellious, where you don't trust authorities. Let him show you. Would you stand with me, please? Jesus said these words to you and I. If, you, if my word abides in you, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Now, I hear people quoting that second verse. Well, you know, you should know the truth. The truth shall make you free. And I want to ask them, are you doing the first one? Because the second one is directly connected to the first one. Does God's word abide in you? That doesn't mean, do you believe the Bible is God's word? It's not what that means. That doesn't mean, do you read the Bible once in a while? It's not what that means. It doesn't even mean, do you read a little devotional every day? There's one thing about little devotionals. Little devotionals is for your soul is kind of like having a breakfast snack and that's all you eat all day long. And what that does to your body. You are starving your soul and your spirit. 
Jesus said, if my word abides in you. That means it takes up dwelling. It has a place of residency. It is where you live. It is influencing your life. It is the influencer of your life. It controls your life. If my word abides in you, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so I'm back again to the question I asked you earlier. Those of you that are listening online, I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Do I have a heart with eyes to see and ears to hear so that God's word is taking up residence in my life and is the influencer of my life. Is that happening? I want to ask you in the room here with me. Where's your heart? Do you love truth? Do you love truth? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are you letting God's word point out the hard places, the rocky places, the weeds of your heart so that you're getting those out so that your heart has a soil that is more and more receptive and is more and more uh, productive for the word of God so when the seed goes in, it can germinate and it can bring full fruit into your life? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it doth he meditate day and night. That person is like a bountiful fruitful tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Is that you? Is that your life? Is your life bountiful and fruitful? Are you overflowing with love and joy and peace? Or are you filled with fear, worry, anxiety? Is your life overflowing with goodness? Is your life overflowing with patience? Is your life overflowing with self-control? Is your life overflowing with the fruit of God's Spirit? Or are you struggling with with hope? Are you struggling with frustration? Are you struggling with discouragement? Are you struggling with anger? Where are you? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Is your heart 
receptive to the seeds of truth so they can grow bountifully in your life. going to ask you to close your eyes bow your hearts in prayer those that worship with me online right where you're seated right now if you're driving would you pull over to the side of the road for a moment stop close your eyes go into a spirit of prayer right now see I know this isn't a really fun lively kind of sermon but this is a sermon that we all need right now because we're in a war for truth. We're in a war for truth. And we have to win that war for truth in our own heart right now. We have to win that war for truth right now. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're sincere, pray this prayer with me. It's in your own heart. I'm not asking you to pray it out loud. I'm asking you to pray it in your own heart. Something like this. Heavenly Father, I want to love truth and hate lies and deception and distortion. I want to love your word. Old and New Testament. I want to love your word more than I love life itself. Father, I choose to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I choose right now to allow your word to challenge my thinking, to challenge my emotions to challenge my philosophy and my ideology, to challenge my reasoning. I allow your truth to plow my heart. I allow your truth to show me where I have allowed bitterness and unforgiveness to reside. I choose to allow your truth to show me where I am allowing the cares and the pleasures of this world to choke out truth. I choose to allow your word to show me where I have become unteachable. I've allowed a hard path to be beaten and I am no longer teachable in that area. I allow your truth to plow my heart. I want your truth to go deep in my life. I want it to become bountiful in my life and to fill my life with the fruit of the goodness of your word. I want to be a tree planted by the water that is flourishing. I want my life to flourish, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give him a praise. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. 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 Will you do something for yourself and your own benefit? Whatever time you get up now, go to bed 15 minutes earlier and get up 15 minutes earlier. Get your first cup of Java and sit with the Word and just read the Word. If you're not used to reading the Bible, start in the Gospel of St. John and from St. John on into the book of Acts. Read till one thing stands out to you. Don't go any further that day. Just go, oh, I'm going to chew on this all day long. What does that mean? What's it say to me? Maybe even on lunch hour, pull out and look at it again. Chew on it. Meditate on it. And then tomorrow, pick up where you left off. Read till something stands out. Stop. It may be two verses. It may be 20 verses. It's not how much you read. It's that you let it read you. And so here's how I do it each day. Did it this morning. Take it, put my hands on it, and say, Father, this is your word. It's living and it's powerful. Speak to me today. And then I start reading. And it talks to me. And it'll talk to you. Amen? I love you guys. Let me speak a blessing into your life. Those of you that are online, let me speak a blessing into your life. Don't, don't stop yet. Let me speak to you. Let me speak a blessing. Scripture promises that when a man of God speaks a blessing, that that blessing will remain if that life is worthy. And I say to you, your life is worthy. Let this blessing be upon you in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, you have promised that your favor would surround us like a shield. And I am praying that right now, that each one, that your favor will surround them like a shield. That heavenly Father, your, the light of your glory will radiate upon them each day. And that they will walk in your favor and your blessing. And when the enemy would roll a stone on them, the stone will roll back on the enemy. When the enemy would set a trap for them, the enemy will be caught in his own snare. And when the enemy would dig a pit for them to fall into, the enemy will fall into it. But you will guide their footsteps around the pit and around the snare, and it will not harm them. They will walk in your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, dear ones. Have a great day.